What's going on out there, Roadrunners? Welcome to episode 235 of the Alamo Auto Podcast, brought to you by the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. This is your host, Jared Thomas, joined by my co-host, Adrian Bermudez. Adrian, welcome back to the arena. What is going on, sir? I am ready to throw some strikes. I'm ready to go out there and go bowling, baby. It is time for UTSA to get that bowl w we have got to get that monkey off of our back exercise the bowl demon good lord Adrian. Once. if we don't win this one i'm i don't know what i'm gonna do i don't know what the tallest look, bridge in frisco is but i'll find it <laughs> look we won once in the dallas fort worth area earlier this season we oh, have uh, exercise that demon <laughs> but let's go let's make it twice baby completely bury that thing yeah bury the wouldn't that be nuts if utsa went like what 11 years or whatever 10 years whatever it's been since the last time they won and the dfw metroplex and then to win two in a row in not the only same that, year jared, not only that jared but to earn bowl eligibility on one of the wins and then get the first bowl win uh... with the second one Ah, so yes, okay. it would be very, okay. very cool because UNT was uh, UTSA's sixth win of the regular season. We had the iconic uh, video from the bleachers of Jeff Trailer doing the whole bowling motion on the <laughs> sideline. Game yeah, clock still nice. winding down. Yeah, real cool stuff. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the day was not over. That was pretty bold. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, yeah. Jeff Trailer, very, very excited that it's, before Christmas that it's local. It seems like a lot of the players are super excited that it's before Christmas, that it's local. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if all the fans feel that exact same sentiment. Yeah. So for for those that haven't heard, UTSA was selected for the Frisco bowl, December 19th, 8 PM on a Tuesday against Marshall and Frisco, Texas. Mm. Like I was alluding to big gap in excitement and sentiment within the program versus the fan base, which I think mm. makes sense. Sure. I think so. I think so. And trailers seem to make it very apparent that players feel the same way, that that this is kind of what they wanted. I question that as well. I mean, you know, guys, but maybe at this point, they just want the dang first bowl win. Yeah. But also guys want the destination and the experience and going to a cool bowl and going to a cool place you want to know my take on all this? Like, I think the the true perspective was if we don't get one of those top bowls in the AAC tie-ins, then we would prefer warm weather close to home before Christmas. I think they would be even more stoked to get the Fenway Bowl, to get the Birmingham Bowl, to get the Liberty Bowl. Like, any of those bowls where you have a chance to play, like, a really mediocre Power 5 program. Um, to get a really good TV slot because like the ratings for those bowl games that are like right around Christmas time or after Christmas are way higher than those uh, pre-Christmas bowl yes. games, especially in the middle of the yes. week. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my take on that. It's like, I, I don't think they're lying when they were like, Oh, we wanted a pre-Christmas bowl or, or whatever. I think it was more <laughs> the sense like give like if it's, if it's between this and the Hawaii bowl, we're going to take the Frisco bowl. I think that's I got you. That's the reality of it, which I agree I think with. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. If we don't win the AAC championship or, or go to the AAC championship game, we don't get one of those uh bowl slots. If we don't get a New Year's six bowl or if we don't get a yeah. late uh, December yeah. bowl, yeah, give us 
give us someone that we can go win. Sure. Right. Sure. Like, yeah. Would, I, the, I, would the fans be as upset if it was the New Mexico Bowl? I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I'm looking forward to going back to the New Mexico Bowl. I think, Jared, the only reason why fans are, are, are particularly upset, for lack of a better word, is because we've played three bowls in Dallas already. Yeah. I think if it's anywhere but DFW, people are more excited <laughs> about it. But it's Dude. it was like, oh, again? Dallas again? Yeah, First yeah, yeah. I feel again? that. Like, that's kind of what it felt for the third this, freaking ass time. This is kind of off topic, but, like, we, we need to redistribute bowl games outside of the DFW. There's, like, four of them. And DFW it's is crazy. Like, we need outrageous. to have a bowl game in Q, Q2 Stadium in Austin. Needs to have one. One of these little, you know, G5 bowls. I mean, I don't know if San Antonio can pull a second one. But why is there not a G5 bowl in Houston? They have the Texas Bowl at NRG. Houston should have, Houston they should play one at TVCU. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, just by the sheer amount of volume of people that live in Houston. And... International airport, international right. hub. I mean, right. every every benefit to playing your bowl game in Dallas also applies to Houston. It's easy to travel to. You've got local recruits. Um, a lot of just football fans are going to come out to see any bowl game. I mean, I've, I've gone to the Texas some... Bowl before. I didn't care about any of those teams that are playing there just because it was close. So. Well, and just just by sheer uh, population capacity of a DFW of a Houston, Texas, there's a good chance there's some alum from that school, yeah. from those schools that are playing in that game that live yeah. in that city, in that greater city area. So for sure. Yeah. You could get one. I agree with yeah. that. I agree with that. Um, um, like my, my approach to the Frisco bowl is I think very out of touch with the rest of the fan base. Like not that it's my preferred bowl or, you know, just like I was saying earlier, like I wanted to get one of the bigger, more marquee bowls, but um, I, I went to the Frisco bowl last time. I had a pretty good experience. I, I've been surprised mm. to see so much negativity. I thought it was a solid bowl game. A lot of stuff that people complained about, like that just was not my experience at all. Um, I hear people when they say there were no porta potties in the parking lot where they're tailgating at, uh, but I didn't have to go to the bathroom. So I was not personally affected by that. <laughs> it also wasn't out there for like hours and hours and hours either. So that, that helps. Um, but I thought it was nice, man. It was a, like a perfect size stadium for the number of people that came. Like the concessions mm. were. No, actually, the concessions were not that good. I'm going to stop myself there before I uh, tell a lie. But I mean, I thought it was just like a, a, a nice. You said something right there. Jared, you said something right there that is very, very critical. Other talking point that we've seen that's kind of stupid, but probably should be addressed. You said the stadium was perfect. A lot of people tend to disagree. Yeah. They don't want to see their football in football stadiums. They don't want soccer I, I, Okay, I, I was going to come to that next. <laughs> I, I was going to talk about everything else before we got to the whole soccer thing. Oh, but I thought like the, the Frisco area was pretty nice for a bowl because like there's so many hotels right there in walking distance and they're cheap hotels, right? Like mm. you're not shelling out, you know, like tourist destination money for these hotels. Like cheap hotels, but not like 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 motel dirty. No, cheap, no. like like I mean, affordable, good hotels. That, yeah, I think I paid one twenty yeah. for my hotel room and I just booked it. I mean, there's a lifetime. There's a lifetime fitness right across the street from Toyota Stadium. It's like that, Dude, that's the area. Quick pump in, man. I'm just saying that's the area of town that you're in. You know, they pretty yeah. much only put those in affluent suburbs. Dude. Right. Okay, yeah. Like, and that's what I was going to kill destination. My conversation with, or my my talking point with, is there's a lot of it's like a mixed development. Like there's like bars and restaurants and stuff all within walking distance. Like 
when you hear Frisco, you just think of like generic Dallas suburbs and it's not quite that like mm-hmm. it has a veneer of like fake fancy to it. I guess like it's not like a traditional like downtown or anything like that. They have that in Frisco, but like where the actual stadium is at, um, it's a nice walkable mixed development with plenty of stuff to do. And I don't know, man, I, I think like people are just not aware of like how bad some of these other bowls are that you say has not been to. Um, and I feel confident, like if UTSA ever played in like the whatever bowl, the Independence Bowl in Shreveport or whatever, um, I think people would appreciate the Frisco Bowl quite a bit more. For sure. For sure. It's a great destination, great place to go and do stuff. Plenty of activity for you to do besides just going to Frisco. It's a nice place, nice stadium. Yeah, Toyota Stadium. It's a soccer field. Um, what is the capacity? I think 18,000. It's small. It's like 20, 20-ish, yeah. Yeah, and it um, seems to be like a griping point. Um, I, I don't know. It's silly. And, and I guess the Cure Bowl last year in, in Boca Raton, that, correct me if I'm wrong, also was. played. Yeah, or, Orlando uh, FC. That was also the um, soccer stadium, right, yeah. for, for Orlando's MLS team. So I guess um, now that it's happened two years in a row, fans are also finding a, something to complain about there. I, dude, I really, really don't understand the soccer stadium complaint. I really don't. <laughs> strange. It's strange. Like, even before they started playing bowl games in soccer stadiums, my friends and I would be like, they should play bowl games in soccer stadiums. That would be great. Because, like, go tune in to some of these other bowls where you've got two G5 teams playing in some massive 60 to 80K capacity stadium. There's no one there. It's a dead yeah. atmosphere. Half the concession, more than half the concessions are closed because there's not enough people to justify having that stuff open. It has an awful just vibe to it. Like you're really far away from the other fans. You're far away from the field in a lot of cases. These soccer stadiums are super intimate. So I just I just don't really get it, man. I, I just think it's like a perception thing where people feel like, oh, like we're not a real bowl. That's not a real bowl. <laughs> you're playing Dude, I hate to break it to you. Buddy, I feel like so many fan complaints from UTSA fans all boil down to UTSA is not a power five program. Like so many of the plants can can just be attributed to that. It's like, yeah, I agree. It would be great to have access to everything that the Texas Longhorns have access to. But you signed up to be a UTSA fan. No one put a gun to your head and said you're gonna be a roadrunner. Like take it or leave yeah. it, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, we and don't like, have a hundred. We You're going to see these opportunities improve throughout the years as the program grows and it gets bigger and wins more. And, you know, we get to that Fenway Bowl or whatever, you know, that next step up within the AAC is and, you know, hopefully move on to, to bigger and better things. But, man, sometimes you just got to face a reality, dude. Dog, <laughs> dog we, don't, we don't have 100 years of history. We don't have $100 million in the budget each yeah. and every single year. It's just not how we operate. We're not there yet. And everyone's still fixed on the dream, on the destination. What y'all need to do is just appreciate the journey, bro. And I tell you, dude, you know, when me and my friends lived on campus and we were driving around UTSA, we didn't sit there 
and say, man, this sucks. I wish we had a sidewalk here and I wish we had another building here and I wish we had more apartments here and I wish we had another bar here. No, we just went to DO every night and we loved it. And we had the time of our lives and we went to Cantina every night and we appreciated it. We appreciated that journey. And now I see the campus expansion. I'm like, man, look at me and my boys built all those nights at Deal. Now we got Sandbox and yeah, yeah. all these million places. So, you know, I mean, it's the journey. You got to appreciate the journey. Stop complaining that we're not a hundred years old football team because it, it really sucks Adrian, really that cool. both of us are in our early 30s but we've become like the boomer generation old fan where we're like putting people in their place and telling them <laughs> to be grateful <laughs> <laughs> but it's like if you would have told me <laughs> in, in 2015 utsa has been playing football for four years now they've never been to a bowl game that we were going to play marshall in the frisco bowl and people are going to be upset about it. I would be like, God, give me a break. Like what's happened to this program that we're going to look down on these things. Let's be grateful, man. You're so right, man. You're so right. And, and you just brought up another great point, Jared, you know, so we were talking earlier about other bold destinations. Um, and which, by the way, when you were talking about Houston, my first thought was Dynamo Stadium would be an excellent place to hold. Yeah, it'd be so That's fun it. right there in Edo, man. Oh, Ooh, my buddy. gosh. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. it'd be, be way better than TDECU. You'd be yeah. in the, right in front of downtown. So, mm-hmm. anyways, when you were talking about, you know, post-Christmas, you get a better uh, venue, you get a better uh, opponent matchup, right? One of those really recognizable, yet still mediocre P5 Man, I think UTSA got an awesome bid here pulling a Marshall. And, you know, it's not the same Marshall of yesteryear. That was perennial conference title contenders. But Marshall is such a recognizable institution. It carries water. People know the school Marshall. You say UTSA is playing Marshall. People recognize that. You say UTSA beat Marshall in the bowl game. I think it carries a little bit of weight with us. You know, it's totally name recognition. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I would even go off to argue that Marshall has more name recognition than the ranked opponents that we've lost in bowl games prior to. You know, I think more yeah. people would 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 perk their eyebrows up at a beating a Marshall team, albeit six and six Marshall, and perk mm-hmm. their eyebrows up at, oh, you beat Louisiana Lafayette or San Diego State or yeah. New Mexico. People would be yeah. like, oh, that's cool, bro. You're right, small right. But you say you beat Marshall and casually. They're like, oh, that's the Matthew McConaughey school. That's the Matthew McConaughey school. Oh, my gosh, it's a big deal now. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that was also a really fortunate thing for, for UTSA. You get an ESPN slot. You get a Marshall recognition name. And then, you know, the the stuff we were talking about earlier before Christmas and local, right? So it's easy for fans to travel to. DFW recruits will be there. You know, I, I think you're out of school at that point. Uh, for most school districts, I believe it's like that week. So like the last week of school or the week before. Uh, so you're going to have recruits there. Um, the players' families are going to be able to travel, which is great. Hopefully the alumni and, and students come out. I will point out that I've not seen any news about you know, paying for student tickets or paying for a bus for the students. So just point that out. That's kind of funny. (laughs) Um, The one major downside that I see for this bowl in particular, not just like early G5 bowls, is that early signing day is literally the next day. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. So Jeff Trailer and staff are probably going to leave that stadium around 1230 at night. 1230 to one. Those letters of intents are going to start rolling in six, six hours later, maybe. 
Yep. That's brutal, man. Like I roll my eyes a lot of like the whining that goes on with college coaches. Like, oh, like we have to work so much. Life's so hard. We get paid millions of dollars. You know, boo-hoo. I'll pass you Kleenex. But that one, I, that really does suck. And, and that's just like, that's not necessarily a criticism of the bowl. It's just like the whole calendar for college football is nuts. They need to like right. completely redo it. Like, right. Why, why is the transfer portal open and bowl season? Why are guys signing mm-hmm. during bowl season? Like, there's got to be mm-hmm. a better way. There's got to be a better way. Holy cow, Jared. Wow. That is a Pandora's box. It is. The topic right there. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. Transfer portal, early signing day. None of that should exist while games are still being played. Yeah. You know, I mean, with you. You know, the season is not over until the last game has been played, until the national championship has been won. Then we are officially in the offseason. That's when all that offseason stuff can start to happen. But this is absolutely crazy. You got guys that are, you know, literally trying to make the biggest decision of their entire lives. This is a game time decision. They can't pick between A or B. They don't want to go. They don't know if they want to go play at Texas State or UTSA or UNT or U of H. They're trying to figure it out. Which coach do they want to play for? Which program do they want to play for? Where are they going to get the most starting time? Where are they going to get the best look at? Where are they going to have the best opportunity to go to the NFL? And all those factors are different for every single different guy. Mm-hmm. Jeff Trailer and his staff, I mean, they they have to be actively talking and recruiting and cultivating that relationship all the way up until that LOI is signed. And in the game time decision moment, a couple of hours before the kid actually decides which college he's going to go to, Jeff Trader's got to go coach a football game. He can't be cultivating those relationships. He can't make that phone call to that kid. He can't talk to that mom, you know, and and that's absolutely brutal, man. It's just brutal for him trying to take care of his job, being a head coach of a program, being a CEO of a program. Yeah. And uh, think of us, the poor podcasters and the media people got to cover a bowl game and then boom, you're immediately covering signing day. Come on, man. We got to start this content out, like work with us here, people. That was, I mean, that's a joke, by the way. I'm joking. I figure if we're recapping the bowl game on Thursday, I mean, gosh, we've got to turn around and have that early signing day pot out. Gosh, that, that might need to be a Friday afternoon recording so we oh, can get it man. out Friday night. God. I mean, brutal, just brutal. It's brutal, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole rabbit hole. One last thing I'll say about like these bowl games that people complain about the soccer stadiums and stuff. Yeah. Keep in mind, if it weren't for these bowl games, there would not be many bowl games for the G five. Right. Right. So that's kind of, again, the reality situation. It's like, it's this or nothing. Cause you go back, you know, a decade, two decades ago, a lot of these G five programs had like two bowl tie-ins. True. Yeah, that's true. So keep that in mind. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So look, it's UTSA's fourth straight bowl. It's our fifth bowl. We are 0-4. We got to go get that first win. If you win this, you could tie the all-time series with the Marshall Thundering Herd at 2-2. Two and two. Should be pretty cool. But 8 p.m. Oh, real quick. There's also some concern out there that Texas State could win a bowl game before UTSA does. Oh. oh yeah. getting, getting selected for the Frisco Bowl ensures that UTSA has the opportunity to make sure that that's not the case because Texas State plays after the Frisco Bowl takes place. Don't you love how, like, 
they just they keep getting so close to having something something to, something to that can hold over us something that they can jab at us with, and it just we just take it away we just take it away from them it's every really funny. single time one day texas state fans not um so december 19th 8 p.m on espn tickets are already on sale 95 percent of you that are listening to this podcast are in the state of texas there's no excuse to not be in frisco texas two tuesdays from now on december 19th at 8 p.m i'll say there's a lot of fair excuses to not make an 8 p.m tuesday bowl in dallas <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna judge people as hard as I did is when they didn't show up for uh senior day on a Friday night. That that upset me a lot more. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. That's but we'll show that. Um of course we're gonna have a full Marshall preview next week. Stay tuned mm-hmm. for that. <clears throat> but of course, uh another big news item to discuss. It looks like UTSA is getting a fifth season with Jeff Trailer at the helm. The University of Houston Cougars have signed Willie Fritz to a five-year contract, which actually, uh, even though Trailer's you know two years in his contract now, Jeff Trailer still has more guaranteed money left at UTSA than Willie Fritz has on day one in Houston. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people really understand the scope, the magnitude of the contract extension that Jeff no, Trailer signed. Uh, no, they really UTSA. don't. I agree. The, uh, and it's so funny. I, I hear so many people say he only has a $7 million buyout. Like, dude, that it, it, if he were to leave, it would double the previous record for a buyout ever paid to a group of five coach. Double it. Double it. And All of the group of five. Yeah. Like none ever. of those, like, not like when Jay Norvell <laughs> left. Uh, is it? Oh, man. Uh, who? Yeah. Norvell went from Memphis to Florida State, right? He, yep. His buyout was like $1 million. Uh When Scott Frost left UCF to enter Nebraska, his was like $1.5. What was Tom uh, there, Herman's? I think that's the most relatable to... Uh, yeah, Tom's to was like one5 Tom, When he left Houston, which he signed the contract before he left Houston, just right. so Houston could get some money out right. of it. Right. It was a very classy move. It's one mm-hmm. and a half for Tom Herman. Yep. It sounds like Willie Fritz's was under $1 million and He just signed a new contract last year. So two Lane fans are pissed about that. Seven million is outrageous. Seven it's, million is unheard of. It's absolutely you know, unheard of, man. I think Jeff Trailers caught a little bit of wind at like all the people kind of scoffing at it. And uh, he even said in one of these latest press conferences or interviews, like, I'm not stupid. I signed a seven yes. million dollar buyout <laughs> when I signed my extension. He goes, do you realize there's only a couple of schools in the country that could even afford that? <laughs> He's like, this is where I want to be. And I was like, man, dude, you know, what's the, the the rock slow clap meme where he stands? I mean, that's how it felt, man. Right. That's how it, it felt. It's it's, it's also been really funny to see this narrative on Twitter. I've seen a couple of different big accounts uh, post this. I'm not trying to call anyone out at all. It's a fair question to ask, but yeah, has Lisa Campos and the administration done enough to keep Jeff Taylor? I'm like, Jesus Christ, they signed him to a 10 year contract. Yeah. that's the number one thing you can do as as a school's athletic director is commit to someone on a massive contract and they did that like they've done absolutely everything they've done absolutely everything and i've seen you know i've seen some speculation on you know the 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 degree of health 
that the Lisa Compost Jeff Trailer relationship is in. And mm-hmm. I man, I really write all that off. I, I really, really do think it's it's mm-hmm. a really well working partnership. I think Trailer Campos and Taylor Amy work really, really well together. I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. I think they've done a hell of a lot together. They're all on the same page with what needs to get done. And so, yeah, I'd like to put that to bed as well while we're at it, Jared. Thank you. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think it's interesting. My my personal theory on this is I think Jeff knows how to play the game. And I think he goes yes. to certain donors and he's like, oh, yeah, Lisa's not getting me what I need to compete. I need you to, to donate or whatever. And I think for some people, that's going to really resonate with them. And that's a powerful, compelling uh, sales tactic, right? Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I think on a personal, professional level, I, I think they're really lockstep and uh, Jeff had a great interview with, I, I forget the name of the radio station in San Antonio. It's like Rudy and Jay, uh, um, say sports star. Yeah. Thank you. He had a great Rudy interview Jay, with them. And, yeah. um, uh, he, I mean, he was very honest about, you know, Dr. Campos and I are in total agreement about everything that has to get done. I want to, it's my job to get it done as quickly as possible. Right. I'm the football yeah. coach. I'm not the athletic director. I also understand that we have all these other programs that also need stuff. So well said. Yes. Right. And it was great. And in that interview, the veneer was pulled back and he was not in fundraising mode. Like he usually is in the interview, right? He wasn't yeah. trying to go speak. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like on a bit of a PR tour of like reassuring people that he wants to stay at UTSA. Well, Jeff trailer is very smart at about this, Jared. He's very, very smart at whenever there's a topic that keeps getting repeated and cycled over and over. He sort of critiques how he's previously addressed the same topics a few days earlier, and then sort of tweaks how yeah. he's addressing those same topics as the conversation continues. And so, you know, he was getting a little fired up if you would have watched these same uh, questions being asked to him by different reporters a week ago. You know, he's getting a little feisty mm-hmm. and this and that. And now he's kind of watched how he's answered. He's changed his delivery. And now he's speaking very, very well whenever he's addressed these questions. And so we've seen him do this a couple of times. We saw him talk about this, like with out of conference scheduling and, and stuff like that. We've seen him sort of change the way that he's addressing things whenever there's issues on the field. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's really good at that, man. He's really good at, at self-critique, to be quite honest with you. And so I, I've appreciated that. And um, and I know that's how he really feels about things. But look, you I, I think you make a great point when you talk about there's certain donors that, you know, just in general, Jared, Donors that might say no to Elisa Campos might say yes to Jeff or, Trailer or may not have the same ask or may not have a relationship or contact with Dr. Campos or her staff or or the UTSA fundraising staff. I mean, just out there in the community, you know, the same as they are, and he's meeting different people, rubbing elbows with different people. Of so. course, of course, yeah. yeah. And and the same thing could be said in reverse, right? There's, there's a donor that could say no to Jeff Trailer that say yes to Lisa Campos for the exact same ask. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm in sales, dude. I partner with a lot of different advisors and all different walks of life, right? And some people just don't want to work with some people. It's really, really yeah. strange, right? Well, you yeah, know, totally. but, but and, sometimes, and sometimes man, it's, it's, it's a personality thing, right? It's a personality thing. Yeah. Yep. Some of these good old boys in Texas, you know, <laughs> so they, they don't want to they don't want to do business relationships with a woman. It's a terrible thing, but it, it's right. true. It's true. It's true. It happens. Um, so I, like, I, yeah, I think they've got a good working relationship, man. And, and Jeff trailer, you know, he's doing a good job of what he needs to do to get everything here. And, you know, you talk about how 
he's going to say thanks to certain guys. And and I bet you he'll go right back up to Lisa and, and give her the little elbow in the rib and be like, hey, you know, I had to. And she's like, I know. I can't stand that guy. I'm glad you did. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For you sure. know, and so I think they have that behind closed doors. I really do. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Let's talk a little bit more about how this kind of coaching carousel cycle played out for Jeff Trailer and UTSA. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit on the podcast, you know, Jeff's name was linked to A&M. It was leaked that he had an interview there. Jeff was pretty weird about like confirming or denying it. Like, I, I don't really know. <laughs> what is it? It's all speculation. Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the time, I think both of us were in agreement that he was not a very serious candidate for AM. Um, that's another thing I've noticed on Twitter. This is not necessarily a UTSA fan thing. I think like everyone thinks this. Everyone seems to think like if someone interviews for a job, like A, they're like getting a job offer on the spot or like they already have a job offer. On the like that's a, a really interesting, like no other industry works like that. Like, sure, there are cases where there's a clear cut candidate that they're going to hire. Um but I think people are like really too quick to assume that someone interviewed for a job, they're going to get it or they could get it, you know, 100%. secondarily, there's also this concept of like, Oh, this person interviewed for jobs. They obviously hate their job. They want to leave. Um, I would say on a, on a, on a personal level for anyone like listening to this, like if you're not constantly interviewing for jobs, like you don't really know what you're worth on the market. You're not sharpening your interview skills. You're not going to be ready. If you find yourself in a position where you need to find a new job. So it's also strange too. It it does get to a point where it's like, okay, like is something going on? Like for sure, I can I can get that. Um, but I think people were like reading too much into it. Nothing is ever finalized until it's in writing, right? Until you yeah. get the official. And interviewing, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's the way that this landscape works, man. And I mean, point at U of H. And look at what has happened to them in the coaching carousel over the course of the 21st century, right? From Bryles to Sumlin to Herman. It's just Levine, a constant. Applewhite. Golly, <laughs> man. With a five, they threw them, five, man. They, yeah. five? Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a, a byproduct of being a really, really good school that is not the top university in the state or one of the mm -hmm. two top universities in the state. It's not going to happen, right? We are a mid major program. Keyword mid. And there's always going to be greener pastures. <laughs> pastures. And guys have to guys have to look at what those opportunities are. Nothing wrong with Jeff Trailer interviewing and in, in, or whatever, his agent talking to people, whatever the case ended yeah. up being. Nothing wrong with it. Um, good for Jeff Trailer, And I think he's had the absolute best remark um, perspective-wise for fans. And it's something I think that Jared and I have like tried to illustrate on the podcast. He says, that means we're doing things right. That means mm -hmm. it's really, really good. It's really, really good for UTSA if my name is being associated to every job that comes open in Texas. Because that means we're doing something really good here. Right. Simply said, simply put, that's the truth. Now, when it comes to the Houston job, I, I do think there was probably a little bit more mutual interest there. Sure. I saw some people speculate, not report, that Trailer's buyout was the reason why Houston went with Fritz over Trailer. I don't know that I necessarily buy that. I, I do agree that $7 million is a financial hurdle for Houston because Houston is at the bottom of the Big 12 
when it comes to budget resources nil like they have a massive new operations facility that's opening up i think next year um so they're catching up in the facility space their stadium is i like it for a g5 stadium it's not a power five stadium i don't think um so they're well behind the curve so i do think that seven million dollars especially after paying that huge buyout uh for um for dana i think that stacks up and i think it's certainly what's consideration but i think fritz was the guy all along for Houston. I think they interviewed their candidates. They looked around, they surveyed it. Uh, but I think it's, it was Fritz all the way for them. It's like they were just doing their due diligence, having their backup options just in case Fritz, you know, pulled out and wanted or whatever. I would buy it. If. UTSA would have beaten Houston. One of the two times. Or if UTSA would have beaten Tulane. Right. Conference championship. Agreed. I'm sure it was a factor, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the reason. Now, if UTSA is one and one against Houston, two and zero oh against Houston, or I should say Jeff Trailer, not UTSA. If Jeff Trailer is one and one or two and zero oh against Houston, or he beats Tulane in the conference title game, and they still go with Willie Fritz, maybe you could say the seven million is the reason. Sure. But it's definitely not the sole reason. Whenever the guy that you're supposed to be replacing you were winless against mm-hmm. and then the guy who you're competing for the job against you're also winless against there's just no way there's just no way which by the way willie fritz went two and two against dana holgerson yeah i didn't know uh, that until recently right right so i will say too looking at it from trailer's perspective if you're interviewing for a job and the buyout even comes up as a point of discussion Probably not a job you want to take. Mm. And I haven't listened to it yet, but someone sent to me a snippet from the Go Kooks podcast on Republican Football Podcast Network. Right off the bat, they said that Trailers Camp had questions for Houston that they couldn't answer. The way I interpret that, just speculation, is the NIL commitment is not there for Cougars football. I, I think that Houston probably has more NIL money for football than UTSA, but not by very much. Not And not wow. to be competitive within the Big 12. Not at all. Like Texas Tech, Texas Tech's playing every player like 45, 50K a year. Houston's nowhere near that. And, and, and you also got to understand, Jared, like average annual income of U of H alum with their medical school, law school, and 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 the generations of alumni that Houston has, right. they should be able to they should be able to whip UTSA as far like as in, in, in raw count, not like per capita, not percentage. In raw count, there are so many more doctors, lawyers, business owners, politicians, etc., that went to the University of Houston than UTSA, and it's going to stay like that. For a really long time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. And I'm I'm being super blunt with you guys, man. (laughs) Super honest. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of money and investment into basketball at Houston. You think Jeff Trailer's going to leave for a basketball school? Hell no. No chance in hell. And that's where it is. That's where all that high six-figure income is being allocated to. No, 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 no. Dude, the Cougars starting five, they're seven figures. Woof. 
They got millions in that basketball program, dude. But all those, but all those alumni that are the high six and seven figure earners, their donor dollars are going to the basketball program. Yeah. 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 So good luck to Willie. Big time. I think, I think in, in, any coach is going to do a better job of getting that investment back into football than Dana did. Cause like, that's just Dana. That's not Dana. I think Willie's going to do uh, Jeff could have done it for sure. If you wanted to fight that fight, I think Willie's going to have some success, but I think for any coach going into Houston, it's going to be a struggle for them. So through the craziness that was A&M and U of H and the rumor mill swirling around the last two weeks, now we know Jeff Trailer is a surefire going to be his fifth year at UTSA, which is pretty unprecedented for mm-hmm. a guy that's had this much success at a G5 program mm-hmm. to be able to remain for five years intact as the head coach. But here we are, Jared. Um, this means a lot. There's a lot to discuss going forward as far as Jeff Trailer moving into his fifth year at UTSA. Competition-wise, roster-wise, now he's really going to have a whole roster of his own guys. But more so than any of that, Jared, um, do you think that UTSA is the place that Jeff Trailer wants to be this year in 2024? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm sure that deep down there is a little bit of like, I don't know what the correct emotion is, but... I think he saw that A&M job and his eyes lit up. And I, I think if you could get him to yeah. drink a vial of truth serum, he'd tell you the same. Oh, of course. I mean, what, what coach would not dream of being the head coach of Texas A&M? I, mean, I think for, for Houston, he was like, well, I'll, I'll hear him out. I'll see what they've got going on. You know, if, if he pulls up, if his agent pulls up on Chris Pesman and he's like, we've got a $4 million NIL investment lined up, ready for you to use your first year as a head coach here. <laughs> right. We're going to have a, $8 million staff pool for you to go hire whatever coordinator you want in the country. Maybe that gets them to really look into it. I don't think that's a reality of Houston right now. They did not give Willie a very big contract. Yeah. They're not, in my opinion, not super well positioned to compete in this big 12. So they passed on that. Was he hoping that Arkansas opened up? Was he hoping that Baylor opened up? Maybe. It's a scary thing to lose your only starting quarterback as a head coach, no matter how good you feel about the guys behind him or that might become again. So I don't know. I I don't have a whole lot of concern that trailer is going to like phone in the year or going to be so right. in his field sure, of course he's not. not doing his thing. Right. I really truly believe that he does care about this place. And like if his career plays out where he retires or he's a legend here, I think he's going to sleep well at night, like knowing that that was his college football coaching career. Yeah, absolutely. but I think with, with anyone, man, you get opportunities, you hear about things and sometimes they don't work out and you feel a certain way, but you flush it and you move on and, you know, you keep doing what you're put on this earth to do. So thanks. I think it's going to work out just fine for both parties. Um, and I just hope for my closing statement on this topic, I do have one more question for you, but for my closing statement, I always got one more question for you. <laughs> for my closing statement, I hope and pray and wish that we find ourselves in this position in December 2024 again, because that means the UTSA Roadrunners went out and they kicked some ass the AAC. They won mm-hmm. and they're out of conference and uh, continues to be a place where other programs are looking to hire talent from. Wow. Well said. Well said. Do you think that UTSA should or should have offer Jeff Trailer a new contract this year. 
Nope. I at first I thought yes that they should add a year, see if they can get the buyout up a little bit more, add some staff pay into the contract, maybe even put a commitment for a football pavilion in that contract. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, let's 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 let it ride. And and maybe even mid-year next year amend it. Yeah. But I think that contract's in a pretty good spot right now. Hell, I'd even let you argue if 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 you you know make the conference championship appearance, maybe. Yeah. Um, but Fair. to me, Jared, the last contract was just or the 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 extension was just done two mm-hmm. seasons ago. And it was an insane extension. I mean, we just spent a few minutes on it. <laughs> yeah. That extension was absolutely ridiculous of a deal. I mean, UTSA has never made a commitment like that to anybody ever before. Mm-hmm. So I think that the current ex- contract that is in place is absolutely appropriate for Jeff yeah. Trailer. Maybe at the end of next season, if he goes and he wins eight games again with a brand new quarterback and, mm-hmm. and, and brand new mm-hmm. offensive look and, and a lot of new young guys on the roster, sure. I mean, that, that's that's going to be insane. But for where we are, for, for how big the last contract – if the last contract extension wasn't as enormous as it was, sure, give him another one now. Yeah, but no, man. Well, so I, I think it's in a good place. Yeah, I think it's in a good place. The buyout is still six million next year. It's still sizable. It's still going to be something that could give a non-blue blood some consideration, some pause. It's not going to stop the blue bloods from calling. That's what it's designed for. That's why the buyout is the number that it is because it's what a filter. Looted? It's a filter that tells you who's really serious about winning at a high level and who's not. At the power five level. Yeah. And, and, and that buyout dude, I mean, arguably does just as much for Jeff trailer as it does for UTSA. Right. I agree. Cause he, even he doesn't have to waste his time. His agent doesn't waste his time asking all these probing questions, trying to figure out how serious they are, what the budget is. If they're going to pay the buyout, they're serious. If they're not going to pay the buyout, keep walking, go hard. Bro, JJ Kinney. Jeff trailer said it himself in that same interview. He said that, I'm not stupid. I know what I was doing when I signed a $7 million buyout (laughs) contract extension. He said, there's only a couple of schools in the country that would even pay that buyout. And then he said, and those are probably the only schools in the country that I would even listen to. Yep. He knows. Yep. He knows. (laughs) All right. Well, so Jeff, you know, if it takes three more years of coaching UTSA football to greatness, four more years for that A&M job to become open once more, my boy, if you're the top candidate, just stick right here until we get that, son. We'll get Dude, you I don't think staff. I don't think Texas is opening anytime soon. I think UTSA could get Jeff Trailer to um, College Station if he can sustain what he's done and do it at an even higher level. That's what the that's yeah, what the he, marquee he, wins. He has to get to the New York Six. He has to get the playoffs. He probably might have to win a playoff game to get the. I think he's got to win a New Year's Six. Or yeah, he's got to make the playoffs. He's got to. We're we're past New Year's Six now. We're we're playoff mode next year. That's right. Twelve team. That's right. Right. New Year's Six doesn't exist anymore. Yes. So he's got to make a playoff, and he's probably got to win that first game. Yeah. If he repeat appearance twice in the playoffs, but loses both, but like competes well, that might be enough. It's get, it's getting harder That's for right. G5 That's coaches right. to jump to to the P2, I guess I should say. 
All right. Well, that's enough on that. I do want to say thank you to our board of trustees members on Patreon for their support. That includes Digiteek, John Otwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Ruben represent the UTSA Bird Gang Tailgate, Ray Redding and Meet Me Apparel, Brian Grail and the Grail Realty Group, Andy Elizade of Provision Benefit Solutions, Ian McClendon and Seeker LLC, Brent Padron, Ryan Squares, Waterman Construction, Javon Townsend, VP of the DFW Chapter of the UTSA Alumni Association, and the UTSA Annual Giving Department. So thank you guys all so much. We're going to hit a quick cumbia break. We're going to come back and talk about the transfer portal, the impact on UTSA, most notably Trey Moore's departure. Uh, we'll talk a little about some little baseball news as well, just to kind of hit on that. We'll let the expert at uh, Dan around the bird bath cover it in depth once we have more detail. Uh, but enjoy the cumbia break. We'll be back in just a minute. Well, 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 Adrian, the transfer portal giveth and it taketh. <laughs> Cam Alexander named first team all-conference defensive back, transfer from San Francisco State for the Ruiners. And then you lose one, just the same. Trey Moore announces today that he's entering the transfer portal. It's kind of weird. Like, it definitely sucks to see that. But I think both of us were in agreement that there was almost zero chance he was going to play the 2024 season for the Roadrunners. I think we'd both accepted that, right? Yeah, we'd accepted that. I had asked you a couple of weeks ago, what are the chances that UTSA holds on to Trey Moore? And you said the zero, because he's going to be entering the NFL <laughs> draft zero? this year. <laughs> Don't quote me, but Maybe that was your answer. But and, I, I guess I was right. <laughs> And look, we thought it was going to be because he was going to go into the NFL draft, which I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty shocked that he's not. Yeah. I'm shocked that he is not going to enter the NFL draft and, and try to get a combine spot, try to see if he can be a, a third round pick, second, second, third, mm-hmm. fourth round pick. I think yeah. he's got stake to do that right now. Um, but look, but let, me, let me comment on that a little bit before we go into other points of the uh, of the decision, I guess you could say. I heard from two different sources, mm. very different, you know, perspectives and levels of access or whatever, uh, that last year Trey's NFL grade was like, or the last time he got his NFL grade or whatever was like not that, not as high as I thought it would be. It was like mm. the five to seven range, which you can easily go undrafted. A lot of guys get that five to seven grade range. Like, that includes undrafted free agency, I think. Um, so I heard that from two different people, which I was surprised by. Now, I do think that they do a new round of like grade evaluations like in December, like in sometime in bowl season. And that's why a lot of times you see guys like just last minute say they're going to sit out for the bowl because they got their draft mm. grade and it was pretty favorable. I so see. I do still think that there's a chance that Trey gets a new NFL draft evaluation and they give him a second, third round evaluation. Maybe he then goes into the draft, right? Interesting. Uh, but I also think in his mind, if he's like, man, I'm at UTSA, I'm dominating, I only have this draft grade, I got to go to another school, play against SEC competition or whatever, and prove that I can compete at that level to get a higher 
draft evaluation. That's so a Ida Roth, big risk to take. Big risk. Big risk to take. But it's you're betting on yourself. So, I mean, you know, you can't hate that. You can't hate the decision to bet on yourself. You're right. You're right. Damn, that is risky, man. Right. That is and, so and, risky. And maybe you get like 300K in NIL or whatever to go do that. But if you're missing out on a NFL contract, Couple it's games. risky, dude. It's, it's a risk. Um, and there was a data analysis done. And like, I think it was like the percentage of people that got drafted. Like if, if they were like an all-conference player, the G5, they had a higher draft rate if they stayed at a G5 versus p- transferred to P5, mm. which is really interesting. Well, I got to say on average, and I'm not going to say this is the case for Trey Moore, but on average, you're probably more likely to lower your draft stock than raise your draft stock by going to a larger, more competitive school where the competition is going to be harder. We'll see. I mean, you're you're competing as five stars, man. If you go to an Auburn, an LSU, or whatever, and it's tough, man. It is tough. I mean, you you got to get the starting spot, and then you got to dominate at the same level that you did on a completely yeah. different landscape. Really difficult stuff to go and do, man. And um, not only that, but you also pose the the risk for injury, of course. Right, and, um, and that's the evaluation that every player has to make on their own accord. Right, there's no right or wrong answer. You just hope, and I think this probably is the, the case for Trey. He seems like a very smart, mature, level-headed guy. Yeah. He's got great parents, great family. Uh, but you just hope that everyone is, is kind of checking those boxes and like, can I live with this risk, right? I don't think everyone does that, which is unfortunate. I think that's why a lot of guys end up in bad situations that they might end up regretting. Um, I'm not that worried with Trey. I think he'll probably go to the SEC. He'll probably do well. He'll end up in the NFL. I don't think it's going to be like another Zakari situation where he like doesn't really play at all at his next step. I mean, I, I think <laughs> Trey's the kind of guy that can compete at that level, uh, but it is a risk, man. Absolutely. 100% big time. And Jared, are we thinking that maybe Trey Moore has already been in contact, perusing some NIL deals, a little bit of, Verbal talk, maybe a little handshake deal um, with some other schools that maybe already given him some offers. Hmm. I don't know. Um, some tinkering, I, some tampering. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think that. I think that Trey's been thinking about transferring for a long time. Hmm. Um. So I don't. I mean. <clears throat> for me, like Trey so obviously is an elite talent that the whole like tampering thing is like kind of like a non-starter for me in his case, because he's so obviously that level where he's going to go get that, that offer, that money as soon as he goes in the portal. Sure. I think for me, the tampering thing upsets me more with guys that it's not actually realistic for them to go in the portal and get like what some random agent or whatever, mm-hmm. some dude that works for a collective. So, so- yeah, I sold the dream. Yeah, it was exactly, just not real. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think Trey's situation is different than you know a lot of the guys on on this UTZ roster, and I think a lot of guys that you see jump into the portal, the G five level, just because someone told them like, "Hey, dude, you could go get a hundred k from this collective at this SEC school or, or whatever," and then you go and look. They've offered like sixteen guys that position in the transfer portal. It's like. They all think they're getting that money. They're not all getting that money. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Well, but, and um, trade, trade, man, he he was a stud at UTSA, one of the best ever do it. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that his 2023 season is the best uh, single season defensive performance in UTSA history? Wow. Because he he had I think more the stat lines, Marcus. I think the stat line certainly says yes. And he played at a higher level of competition as well. And he played him and he played in less games. He missed a couple. True. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's it's so so what he did is is I mean it's it's pretty unnatural, man. I mean, it was uh it's it's insane. When you when you consider the stat line, you consider that he didn't even play in every single game and still did what he did. And I think at one point we were talking about how Trey Moore is worth a touchdown differential to UTSA's yeah. final score in any given matchup. I don't know. I don't think you can say that for Dav. I yeah. don't know, man. Yeah, I think so. I think Trey Moore probably, yeah, I think you're ooh, right. I think ooh, he is. Ooh. Here's a hot take for you. That defense that Marcus played in his senior year had a lot more individual talent and future NFL draft picks on it than I think what Trey had this past year. For sure. Absolutely. So I think when you look at it through that lens, I think Trey, Trey's production is even more impressive because all eyes were on him. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you go back him. to Marcus' senior year, you had to worry about LaKel Bass, who had a ton of tackles for lost, ton of sacks. You had to worry about Brian Price, who wouldn't play in the NFL for a long time. He was yeah. you know, dominant. You had to worry about Kevin Strong, who played in the NFL. Uh, you had to worry about Eric Banks, who played in the NFL. All those guys were on the front seven. Just play in the NFL. You know, that's so, ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's I think ridiculous. you got to get Trey the nod when you when you look back at the level of talent that was on that peak holding defense. God, that's wild that you just listed like four of the front seven, five out of the front seven. I know, man. From that era, all were NFL guys. Sheesh, man. What a squad. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> I might have messed up some of the timing on that, but all those guys did play with Marcus, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, at one point or another. Yes. So, best of luck to Trey Moore. Mm -hmm. Is is there a certain school that you want to see him at, you don't want to see him at? Or you're just happy for him to go out and do do his thing and wish him the best? I mean, look, he's going to the P5. He's going to a blue blood. He's going to the top caliber. I don't really necessarily resent any one of those schools, you know? Like they're like, oh, he's gonna go to UT. I don't want him to be a Longhorn. You're gonna, he's gonna play us and sack us. Yeah, I mean, whatever, dude. Like that'll be a talking point, but who cares? Sure. I don't have like this disdain for the UT Longhorns because we're UTSA. <laughs> I don't have this disdain for you know Texas A and M or whatever, whatever school enter P five blue blood here. So no, no, it doesn't really bother me in that yeah. regard, man. But I can I, see how it bothers some people. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think I prefer for him to stay in state. And I just feel that way about any Texas athlete. I want Texas athletes to stay in Texas. I want I the that. Texas schools to dominate college football. I we got that. the best players. I want to have the best teams here, the best ball. Um, I, I do have disdain for Texas A&M, but not from the lens of me being a UTSA alum. It's just because the Aggies are <laughs> <was> so weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's really all it is for me like i'm not gonna look down on a transfer more if he goes to AM. I just they're just a weird bunch over there in college station man right right <clears throat> yeah man 
So we'll see. But I get it. I I, and, I can't I can't hold it against any fan that'd be like, oh my god, he went to the Longhorns. I hate Trey Moore. He's a traitor. I I, I do get it. I do get it. I'm, I'm okay like, with that. On a personal it, level, it, it doesn't hit absolutely. Me like that. Yeah, I am absolutely okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. I think that is what making. Uh, I think that is what makes being a UTSA fan fun sure. in that regard, right? Yeah. Is that you can feel that way about something like that. A hundred percent. I mean, I you can it, have that. Disdain you do you have want. to play into the inferiority complex, a little brother complex, a little bit. If you're a UTSA fan, it's part of the fun. I'm not, I'm yeah. not trying to take that away from anyone. <laughs> I, just, I just don't, I don't personally feel it, but I totally, totally get the rationale behind it. Who's going to pancake block Trey Moore in next year's UTSA UT game? <laughs> Who's going to get that one-on-one matchup and give us the highlight we need, baby? Oh, man. Corey got it on a pin pool, just lights him up, sends him flying. Could you imagine, brother? You imagine. That place might go more nuts than we did on the onside kick last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's Royal funny. State. That's funny. Uh, all right. Other other players. You got a couple of the guys. Yeah. 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 A couple other players going to the portal. Um, Xavier Spencer was the first name that I saw go in. Um, mm. Local kid, power five transfer, super athletic, made some great plays on special teams, but just never, never really had the chance, I think, to put it all together and, and, and get that like really solid contributor playing time. Um, yeah. I think he, mm. Definitely a positive on this team. He seemed like a great kid. And uh I mean, he was he was athletic as hell. I really hope he goes somewhere where he can play a lot, has a nice senior season, because uh, he's got all the physical tools. That's for sure. So do I, man. Yeah. Now, was he a grad transfer? Or no. Um, I would think that he's probably graduated. Uh, he should he should be old enough. Yeah, I think sure. he was a senior last year. Yeah, this season. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's one of those Converse Judson pipeline guys. You know, right. um, you know, he's got some of that dog in him. But this is one where you know, like, so the dynamic difference in in transfer portal. So. You know, you could see an Xavier Spencer go to a direct peer or direct uh, opponent, I should say, of UTSA at the same G5 level and end up wreaking havoc at another school mm-hmm. that is sort of on the same plane as UTSA. And then UTSA fan is scratching his head like, how do we let that guy get away? How do we yeah, let it's going to happen at some point, dude. Right? Yeah, it it's going to happen. Happened. Yeah. I was really worried that Drace Briggs was going to ball out of UTEP and UTSA and UTEP would meet in a bowl game, and Trace Biggs was going to catch two touchdowns against the Roadrunners, but didn't play out that way. But it will happen one day for sure. Yeah. What are, what are those coaches seeing? Are they idiots? Do they watch practice? I can't <laughs> wait. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I hope Xavier goes to Incarnate Word, man. I want to see these guys that oh, wow. are from San Antonio – are super athletic, but just don't get the playing time to go down to the FCS level, stay in, stay in the city, stay involved in the program as an alumni. These guys are alumni of the university. Um, go out there and, and dominate the FCS level, go to the playoffs, man, do your thing. Continue to be friends with these guys. I, I think that's really healthy for all parties, man. What about like a Texas state dude? What if a Texas state picks up, and Xavier Spencer, and then he gets really, really involved there, and he's mm-hmm. balling out at you know what you would call a direct rival, but also a lesser program. So he's crushing, and then and then they get onto the field together, right? And Xavier Spencer's got a time a, a chance to shine. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, sure. So things end up. Uh, other guy, uh, Cyrus Dumas, he was a New Mexico State transfer. Yep, he was really highly regarded 
uh, leaving Las Cruces. Um, I don't know if he was an all-conference player, but you know, he had a lot of accolades, had a lot of interceptions and just couldn't get healthy at UTSA. So wish him the best. Unfortunately, he had such a, a negative experience here, you know, just through, through the, due to the injuries alone. Uh, if I remember correctly, he was hurt. He came back from the Tennessee game and like broke his foot in warmups or something crazy like that. I, I could have the details wrong, but he's had a tough go of it, man. It's really unfortunate. Um, his grad transfer, so he gets to do another transfer and not have to sit out. So hopefully he finds a good landing spot. Um, it gets back to his old ways. Um, hell, maybe he goes back to New Mexico State. That'd be cool. Mm, yeah, I like that. Um, of course, UTSA will have players come in the transfer portal as well. We've seen a lot of offers go out um, to various folks in the portal, FCS level, power five level, all kinds. Um, my So, and I, I think a lot of people have probably noticed if you're into recruiting, they don't have a lot of high school commits right now. That's definitely by design. I think the plan all along for the coaching staff was to go hard on JUCO and transfer portal because those 18 seniors that are graduating, a lot of them are contributors. They're, yeah. veteran leaders of this team. So I think UTSA is looking uh, to those more older, more mature players to to step in and kind of take that mantle. Right. You don't want to have this enormous drop-off of experience and playing time right. from and, an entire upperclassman roster to an underclassman roster. Yeah. That's the reality of college football now, for better or worse. There are no more rebuilding years. Maybe if you're a new coach coming into a new program, it's like a year zero. you got to do a full teardown of the studs and start over. But if you're an existing coach, there's no excuses anymore to be like, oh, you know, we lost all these guys and we can't compete anymore because you've got free agency now. You can go get as many guys as you want out of portal. And I'm looking on the rivals transfer database right now. I've got. I'm going to update account here. Um, does it show uh, 837 players in the portal on rivals right now? Mm, sheesh. <laughs> Ooh, I, I filtered by quarterback earlier and it was like nearly 100 quarterbacks. <laughs> like every program could get a new starter in the portal. You know, that's crazy. Um, it is wild, man. So I, I, th- I think that trailer and staff have done a good job working the portal. I think this is going to be the year that we see what they're made of when it comes from evaluation, recruiting, all that stuff to, to really be in a state where you can get starters, guaranteed starters to come in um, and deliver on that promise. We'll see. And it seems Any... like a lot of those experience, a lot of those places that were losing experience um, at that level is a lot of that's going to happen on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be a big con- concentration there. And then, of course, you got to get another quarterback in the quarterback room to, to spike up that battle a little bit in, the, um, in spring camp. Yeah, I agree. And... That's that's no slight on Owen McCowan, on Eddie Lee Marburger, on Jackson Gilkey, on Brandon Tennyson. You got to go get a veteran. And go I, I, I'll, I'm going to be rooting for any of those guys to beat out a, a proven former starter at the FBS FCS level. But I think you got, you got to have that older kind of more mature personality in that quarterback room. And they have to earn that spot over yes. that veteran guy that you bring in and transfer. Cause it, yes. and you said the word right there, proven right now, they're unproven. They have to go and beat out a proven guy in order to earn that starting slot. Right. Absolutely. I want to see that. I absolutely want to see that from one of the guys that's already in the room, but we don't need them proving themselves in September. Right. 
Yeah, well said. I will say there's not really a quarterback in the portal right now that has stuck out to me as a clear fit in the, in the sense that they're in the mold of what UTSA is going to look for. It's realistic for UTSA to land them. There's some great quarterbacks in the portal, but I don't think it's realistic that a program like UTSA is going to get a lot of those guys. Okay. Like okay. that quarterback from Duke, uh, I forget his name, Riley Leonard or something. I don't know. Like uh, That guy's going to go to a big time program. I love him at UTSA, but Boise State's quarterback yeah. is another one. Like, I think that he's probably going to end up at a P5, but I would love him at UTSA. So we'll see. There's going to be a lot more guys go in after the bowl games and stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you mentioned the defense, man. I think inside linebacker is a big need. Yep. I think safety is a glaring need, huge oh. need. And I guess edge, you got to find Trey Moore replacement. You got some good options on campus with Jamori Robinson. Uh, people have good and Naya and Yanwu. I think is how you say his and name. He, yep. he was playing pretty well before he tore his ACL. Yep, I'll be in the mix. He hopefully. was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think you you want to go get another pass rusher as well. Yeah. Uh, some of the offers they put out, it was, it was pretty clear that they thought that Trey was gone because they're kind of recruiting those kind of guys. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think the staff was privy to that information a couple of days ago, and um, we'll see what happens. I think you're absolutely right. Look, Rashad Wisdom has been the anchor of safety just as long as Frank Harris has been the anchor yeah. quarterback. <laughs> I know. So equally as important to to bring a veteran quarterback in and, and bring in a, a stud in the deep secondary at safety. So yeah, yeah, important stuff. We're we're going to see how the, how the transfer portal plays out, but I think you nail it when you talk about evaluation is really going to be the most glaring in the 2024 season than it ever has been because you're losing so much experience. You're not going to have the luxury of not throwing in those transfer portal guys right away. You're not going to have the luxury of um, those guys that are changing positions, trying to troubleshoot and learning techniques from offensive guard to offensive tackle or whatever the hell the position change is. You're not going to have the luxury to give those guys the time that they need to figure it out. You got to get guys in here that are going to be able to fall into line, learn the playbook and contribute right away. So yeah, man, number one, very, very critical in the evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the guys that are going to move up from lower levels, Um, you know, from D2 FCS or whatever. Those right. guys probably probably harder to evaluate for sure. The one guy that I penciled from all the offers and all the transfer portal entries that have gone so far, uh, safety Jalen Catalone from Texas. Mm. Mm. I, I I think it's realistic that he could play at a school like UTSA for his last year. He would be an instant starter of safety, guaranteed. If he's healthy, he plays well. He's got a clear chance to get drafted in the NFL. I don't know how many major blue blood power five programs are going to take a chance on him given his injury history. That's one guy. If you're, you just say you, you got to swing for him. He's got connections with the staff. You'll take that trade. You'll take that Trey Moore, Jalen Catalan trade. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty likely that uh, trailer recruited Jalen to Arkansas. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. So that that's the main one that's like really popped out to me. There have been some guys that I've liked. Um, some of those UTEP receivers they offered, I think, are pretty solid. 
but then you go look at those guys twitter account and they got 30 offers in 30 minutes you know that's like what i'm convinced that most of these schools are not actually evaluating these transfer portal kids and they're saying like oh like this this school offered we're offering following the demand yeah Yeah. just following the demand yeah yeah 100 i could see that so i I think it's really hard to tell where these guys are realistically going to land because they just like everyone offers like every kid in the portal. It's nuts. And that goes back again to my point that kids are getting inflated, unrealistic expectations. Seeing these offers that go on the transfer portal, like look at where these guys actually end up. Right. And I think that's the part that people are missing. I compare it to dating app, right? You go on there. It's like, Oh man, I matched with this hot girl. I'm, I'm, I'm only dating hot girls now. (laughs) <laughs> and that ain't, that ain't real life brother <laughs> it's true it's true it's, true. it's absolutely true it's absolutely true. you know it feels like we've gone um you know lower level like like juco or fcs route where we're getting more like uh lunch pail guys i'm just talking about transfer portals in the past yeah um more like uh you know guys that play on the line of scrimmage um offensive line blocking tackling but then when you get more into like skill positions, that's where we kind of see ourselves going uh, a level up where we're like getting them from, you know, a guy that kind of sat on the bench at a P five or something like that. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting. It seems like this year that dynamic might be changing a little bit. Yeah. I'll see how I mean, I, I have people ask me that question a lot. Like, do you prefer a guy coming down from P five uh, versus a guy coming up from FCS? And I, right. My, in my opinion, you got to evaluate everybody. Right. I don't think that there's a clear cut answer of like, oh, you always need to go get the P5 coming down versus the FCS coming up. Like, I just, I don't think that's like reality. I think you got to evaluate everyone individually and not make blanket assessments. Sure. Right. That's the Jared. That's the Jared answer that, that those people need to hear. <laughs> it's not hard answer. What? He's it's not going to give you that one. Yeah. No yeah. way. I do wonder if they have someone on staff dedicated to the transfer portal now. They did it in the past. I know they've had some additions to the staff. That's a big need. Well, Adrian, the last thing I want to talk about, broke some news this morning. There is construction at Roadrunner Field. No, never thought we'd see the day. Even when they just put like that iron gate around the stadium, I was like, oh, that's big. And then to see like a dump truck out there tearing down scraps of metal, I was like, oh my God, is this real life? I had to rub my eyes. We got sent runner. We got sent a picture early this early this morning of the construction. It, it, it felt oh, like AI generated. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I think we're, we're pretty plugged in, especially when it comes to facilities. Like we pay a lot of attention to all that stuff of trying to get any, any bit of information that we can about, you know, upgrades and new construction, whatever. And this completely flew into the radar. Um, so it's wild, but. Yeah. That's like, a talking point. You know, the, the, the quietness around it. is that intentional or unintentional from uh, TSA? Great question, it's dude. I don't know. Really interesting. Really I've been thinking about that all day long. Uh, I, I like, also think you can kind of extrapolate that. I think like the athletics department does a lot of things that are nice upgrades for not just like an individual program, but for like the whole department that doesn't really get widely communicated. And I think it leaves an impression that they're not doing anything to doing like enough. progress yep. the department. Mm-hmm. And like when you're really in the weeds and you're really paying attention, you notice a lot of stuff like, oh, there's a new camera angle on the soccer broadcast tonight and stuff like that. It's a higher bit yeah. rate on the baseball stream. You know, it's like 
it would be nice to have more of those kind of small uh consistent updates like i saw the east carolina athletic director does an annual like state of the department address with the media just like 30 minutes to be like you know here's our top priorities here's what we accomplished like it would be nice to get some of that information that's cool for sure i like that yeah. i just think you know I don't, I don't know what it is i think you know does utsa not want to um announce like minor upgrades right that doesn't stream new facility because they just feel like that's only going to bring you know backlash or you know people have a remark about it and you did see a lot of that like we don't even really know what this change is going to be when it's done all we know is it's upgraded seating behind home plate new press box that can mean a lot of things though there's a there's a wide range of outcomes where that could be some crazy multi-million dollar thing with like a queso fountain and a press box or right. it could be more metal bleachers with a share back installed to it like we really don't know it could be a shipping container for the press box there's a wide range of outcomes and i've already seen people assuming the worst and saying oh it's another band-aid blah 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 blah. um then i've seen people you know I, I'm, I'm of this opinion progress is progress we want to have right. the, the best facility possible uh but let's do what we can with all the urgent needs across the whole department let's do what we can um now and in the future to give a better experience at all reaches of of time. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. And I don't know. I think there's a way that you could tailor the messaging in an announcement like that, where you're announcing a minor upgrade, but also pointing to the big picture and what the grand vision still is to sort of mitigate that sort of feedback that you would get from, you know, a negative Nancy fan, but right. I would love, I would love, I would love for them to to talk about these minor upgrades. I, I think that there was turf installed last year that was never even announced. That's correct at yep. at Roadrunner Field. So yep. now you've got another. Um, that's two seasons in a row where there's a pretty decent upgrade being had that no one knows mm-hmm. about. Yeah, and another good example of that, Adrian, is uh, they completely redid the locker rooms for basketball like two years ago, and they yeah. didn't. We only found out about that because like one of the facilities accounts posted a picture on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It, like mm-hmm. it's nice to know about that stuff for sure. I think it's, it gives it's not an absolute fans. game changer. It's not like, oh my God, the Big 12 is picking up the phone and calling, you know, Taylor Amy right sure. now. But I think for the diehard fans that like want to see the progress and know about that, I think there's a lot of interest. I think UTSA should should do a little bit more to kind of peek behind the curtains and and, show and I that think stuff. and I think you're going to get more appreciation from those types of fans than you are going to get the negative feedback from the negative fans. Right, and so and I, I think, you know. If you're a donor um, and you're seeing like, hey, like they're doing cool things with the money that I'm giving with what I can give, I think it's motivating, right? To be like, okay, Absolutely. like I'm seeing progress. This is good for the student athletes. Like I'm on board. I'm on board. And, and maybe this stuff is more widely shared with like higher up donors. Um, I don't know. Uh, but no one I talked to knew anything was coming for baseball. And, and that, that includes people who are pretty plugged in with the baseball program. So that's right. It, yeah, it's interesting for sure. Over over communication is a bad thing too because you put yourself in a trap where like on this date you said by July 2024 that volleyball would have X Y Z and they don't have it and you're failing at your job right um, sure I think yeah. all of us in our careers have encountered those situations where you over communicate and it's a bye to you but there's a balance to it. It was pretty early this morning. We got a couple of DMs from around the birdbath host, our baseball beat guy, Mr. Dan Nerdall, with these 
pictures of tractors and demolition going on on Roadrunner Field. And everyone, everyone's like, what is going on? What is that? Oh, my gosh. You know, the, the big eye emojis and all that. Yeah, it's pretty hard to hide construction on campus. You, know? <laughs> you got tractors coming through. Yeah. I mean, this is bulldozed. I mean, they bulldozed the entire section of bleachers behind home plate and the press box. It's, regardless of how small uh, the upgrades are, this is still what I would consider a, a pretty large construction project for Roadrunner mm-hmm. Field that hasn't seen any sort of construction or facility upgrades since it's been built on, on stadium. Yeah, I think this is kind of a big deal. Um, this kind of a big deal regardless. So it's it was, it was only appropriate that it was Dan Nerdall to drive right by it and see it and, and get that inside scoop. It's just incredible. That guy is all over the place. Even when he's not trying to, he's getting that inside scoop on the baseball program. Incredible stuff. Hopefully, if we get some details coming out about this project, Dan could give you guys a full around the birdbath episode on it. But Jared, what do you think? What do you hope? Uh, for these upgrades to look like uh, the bird bat. Uh, what I think and what I hope are, are different things, obviously. Um, you know me, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm always realistic about what what can be accomplished and all that. Um, I, I think that this is going to be a, a a temporary upgrade, right? Yes. Um, I think that they're going to pour some cement. I think they're going to put some bleachers in and they're going to install like chair backs and it's going to be like upgraded. Uh, keep in mind, th- those bleachers behind home plate or those former bleachers behind no plate, the the egress, like just walking around was was a mess, right? Mm. Um, I don't even know if it was ADA compliant. I, I, I don't even know all that kind of it stuff. It was just but, sitting all in the dirt. It was just sitting on top of the grass. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the press box was almost non-existent. So like the radio guys were in the bleachers right next to you and you're, you're spitting your sunflower seeds out next to them and it's coming through in the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> It was crazy. So um, I think what we're going to see is like, you know, some, some pretty like low level, you know, like uh, probably some chair back seating. Right. And they'll probably sell those at a premium expanded press box. We can actually fit a scorekeeper announcer, radio guy, video guy. At a minimum, I hope maybe one or two journalists. Um, But I do think that like come, 2026 we're eventually going to see that whole thing outside the field just completely scrapped and they're going to build like a actual baseball facility around the existing field is my expectation no i think that's they're old but we have seen renderings of this right and look man i think i think that would be a tremendous absolutely to have some, some chair back seats back there. Yep. Nice concrete foundation poured. You get a legitimate press box that can house media inside of it. Got some fans going in there, maybe an mm-hmm. AC unit, who knows? Hmm. I uh I think that is a unbelievably huge upgrade right. to a to a field that's ever seen it before. Be yeah, I, I want to do a full blog or, or podcast about up, you know, updating Roadrunner Field and what all could be done. Um I would love for them to just see like literally them dig out the dugouts and make it a real dugout. <laughs> like that's small, but like those kind of things pile up over the years and I think make a big difference in, in the experience 100%. at the game there, but oh, yeah. hopefully more to come. Hopefully we get some more details, uh, but uh, any, any, in my opinion, any progress is good progress for baseball. Um, it's been so neglected for so long and UTC has an amazing coach and Pat Hallmark and, you know, I, I hope that they can do as much as possible as quickly as possible. But, you know, like I said earlier, any progress is good progress. 
Absolutely. Any progress is good progress. Very well said. Very well said. Well, Adrian, before we recorded, um, yet again, as always, we said this doesn't need to be an hour. And we're staring at uh, 78 minutes by my count. It never fails. Before we sign off, I want to say thanks to our big money donors on Patreon. Uh, please consider joining us on Patreon, even though we're not going to have as many episodes on Patreon uh, as we do during football season. Still get all the bonus content there. You get access to the chat. We've had some really good conversations in there. Um, good stuff. Good stuff in the chat app. I'll leave it at that. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't downplay it. You know, you're, you're still going to get some behind the scenes recruiting news. You're still going to get some bonus <laughs> yeah. episodes for baseball season from Dan. You're still going to get some really excellent stuff, man. Yeah, there, there, so, uh, there's there's a lot of people who know things in that chat. Yo. I'm not going to spill any spill any tea but it's it's a good place to be a runner fan worth the price of subscription i think so i think so well shout out to our big money donors including ben tovar the bunch family zach and in the san antonio podcast network alejandro benavides dan nerdall host of around the birdbath jacob cavasso is board president for the utc alumni association maddie and Manda, maddie and mandy Jenna and Andy Ansaldua, Rick with Dresser Bad Road Grillers, and Home Field Apparel, where you can use discount code QTC once home field to get 15% off your first purchase. We'll see you guys back next time uh, to preview Marshall and the Fresco Bowl. Ooh.